The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 she says, clearing her throat. If you want to run with the game-changers, you're absolutely in the right place. Today's buzz, this is really important. Disrupt or be disrupted. I think we're going to crochet that on the side of a pillow somewhere. Let's get started. In our fast-moving, hyper-connected, ultra-competitive world, that's what we all know we're playing in when you're in business, companies that continually reinvent themselves through innovation are the most likely ones to survive. I think that's a fact of life today. You innovate, you survive, you don't, you stay where you are, and you're just going to get paved over by the companies that are moving and shaking the world. But if you've experienced innovation efforts that are thwarted, bogged down, they're dealing with lengthy processes, and it's expensive, and it's time-consuming, and lots of layers of permission. Every time you try to introduce a new idea to do something as simple as solving an existing business challenge, you know you got a business plan, then you have to get funding, then you have to build a solution, then you have to figure out how to promote it, then you have to sell it, blah, blah, blah. It really gets tiresome, and it flies in the face of what innovation is supposed to be. Well, take heart. There is a new innovation model on the scene. It can be lean. It can be cheap. It can be fast. How, you ask? Well, I'm going to give you a little clue. Here's a quote from Grace Murray Hopper, who was the American computer programmer who invented COBOL, my favorite language. I actually programmed in COBOL for many years and loved it. Here's the quote. It's often easier to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. Now keep that in mind. I have a wonderful panel of experts. All three of them are calling in from Germany today. And let's get started. First up, we have a professor. His name is Professor Dr. Stefan Bongard, B-O-N-G-A-R-D. He's with the University of Applied Sciences in Rhine, Germany. He has a professorship in business administration and logistics. And here's the quote from Stefan Bongard, his own words. As a University of Applied Sciences professor, I'm always working under the radar. Problems emerge immediately when my projects appear on the radar screen. Well, how about that, Enigma? Stefan Bongard, welcome to the show. How are you today, Stefan? Yeah, thank you. I'm fine. I'm, uh, we have a very hot day today in uh, Germany. So I'm sweating a bit, but um, I'm sure you cannot see how much I sweat. I, I hope uh, it's not because you're on live radio would be with an audience no, in 200 no, no. countries I'm listening doing, to you. I'm doing radio <laughs> shows every day. Now, um, well, as you said, uh, my, I have a, well, I work for a special company at a university. You usually work for yourself, and so I 
I innovate my own projects and I mm -hmm. can do this uh, in, in, a hidden, in a hidden way. And, uh, well, I run into problems when I have to ask some other people um, to, to, to get information or to get allowance to do something. And this is where my, my projects always, uh, where they stop or where they slow down, I should say. They slow down. Stefan, tell me something. Do you agree with the Grace Murray Hopper quote, it's often easier to ask forgiveness than to ask for permission? Is that your experience, too? Yeah, I agree, but it's, it's, well, you, I agree totally, but, but you run into a bit of a risk. Because, and risk, um, risk in the name of innovation can be a good thing. Isn't that what innovation is really all about today? It's saying, well, we really have a better idea. We can do things simpler or faster or cheaper, and we can get rid of all the complexity. Isn't that the goal is to take that risk? Yeah, it's, it's depend on how, how high the risk is. So I, I'm almost working with, without risk because, um, well, I'm, I'm, well, I don't uh, make my money from these projects. My, my job is uh, to make education and to make a bit of research. But um, if you work in a, in a company, uh, you need success. And uh, many people want uh, or act without risk because they don't want to risk their, their job or they risk uh, too much money. But you are right, there are new possibilities through new technology or low-budget solutions to, to uh, reduce uh, these risks. So okay. uh, you don't need too much budget to start uh, things going. Okay, good intro to our topic, Stefan. Thank you. And by the way, where are you? Are you in Rhine, Germany today? Did I get that right? No, no. This, uh, the Rhine is the river which is nearby. Uh, <laughs> right. The, the name of the city and of the university is uh, Ludwigshafen. Okay. Ludwigshafen on the Rhine, and uh, it's a city in the center of Germany. It's maybe uh, it's 80, 80 kilometers south from Frankfurt. Okay. Thank you for the map information. I appreciate that, Stefan. Pleasure to have you on board. And we'll be talking in a thank little you. while about the research project yep. you launched just yep. specifically exactly for this program. We're going to find out what you really found. And I want our listeners to keep in mind the terms on the radar and under the radar. Very important to our conversation. Let me introduce our second panelist. He's Daniel Burnett. He's a business innovation consultant at SAP Business Transformation Services. And I have a five-word quote that's very provocative, but let me position it first. The quote is from Richard Branson, who is currently 64 years old. And in case you're remembering, who is Richard Branson? Are you hiding under a rock? It's Richard Charles, Sir Richard Charles Nicholas Branson, born in 1950, an English business and investor best known as the founder of Virgin Group, which now comprises 400 companies. At 16, he started his first venture, which was a magazine called Student. Then he set up a mail-order record business in 1970. Remember Virgin Records? Remember Virgin Megastores? And on and on and on. And then we have an airline and we have everything. So his net worth is only $4.9 right now. It could be more by the time I finish that sentence. So when Richard Branson speaks, we listen. And here is the quote. Screw it. Let's just do it. I don't think I've ever used that word on SAP Radio. Daniel Burnett, what are you doing to my reputation? How are you, Daniel? 
Good, good. I'm fine. So I will try to do my best for your reputation. Also, the the quote was from me, so um, I, I take everything on my on myself. Um, no worries. Talk to me about how the quote. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I feel so much better now. Uh, talk to me about how the quote relates to our topic today. We're talking about disrupt or be disrupted in terms of business innovation. Talk to me, Daniel. Yeah, I think if you look at, at, at the journey which Richard Benson did years ago and, and still do, he said, okay, if there's something new coming up and I think the idea is good, let's do it, let's set up a little team and they do it, they build a company and let's see if it succeeds or not. And as you said, he has around 400 different companies and the interesting thing, it's not one big big um, company like, like SAP, for example, but it's a lot of small little companies that act on their own as a, in a very fast and innovative way. And I think this is why he's so successful. Do you think that Richard Branson ever stopped to ask for permission seriously, Daniel? Or do you think he just said, ah, I think I can solve a problem. Let's do it. I don't think he was even using the word innovate in those days when he started. But do you think he ever asked for permission before he just forged ahead? No, I think he never asked for permission. So he said, if uh, you have an opportunity for doing something new, if a business is very is very badly done by someone else, or do you have then really opportunity to innovate? And I think this is something which is um, still true. I wonder if we could talk to his employees at any of his companies, Virgin Records, Virgin Megastores, Virgin Atlantic, Virgin anything, do you think that they would say, Richard Branson encourages innovation and lets us fly under the radar. But my guess, Daniel, is that Richard Branson owns the radar. Let's just leave that one alone. He probably invented and bought that, too. So thank you, Daniel. Pleasure to speak with you. And let's bring on our third panelist. He is Wayne Morris, Innovation Director within Service Innovation, SAP Global Services and Support. And here's a quote from Theodore Levitt. Uh, let me just level set here. Theodore Levitt, let's see. Uh, he passed away in 2006, born in 1925, an American economist and professor at the Harvard Business School. He was also the editor of the Harvard Business Review. He increased the circulation. And here's the big deal you may remember him for. He popularized the term globalization. And his theory in 1983, he had a definition for corporate purpose, which is rather than merely making money, it is to create and keep a customer. That was revolutionary in its time. Here's the quote from Theodore Levitt. Organizations, by their very nature, are designed to promote order and routine. They are inhospitable environments for innovation. Ooh, Wayne Morris, thanks for the interesting, controversial quote. How are you today, Wayne? I'm terrific, Bonnie. Thanks very much for asking. Pleasure. Talk to me. Interesting choice of quote. Tell me why you picked it and how it relates to our topic. Well, in reality, um, having worked in business for quite some time, um, it's plain to me that businesses are really optimized for execution. And we all know that uh, they're driven by uh, um, shareholder value uh, attainment, and that comes each quarter. So, um, as you can imagine... Um, innovation has um, longer-term goals, um, and in in my opinion, anyway, the um, achievement of short-term goals rather flies in the face of innovation. Um, so, the the um, innovation activities that people try to achieve 
um, are iterative in, in nature. Um, they're prone to failure, mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> and it, it re- really requires some form of either hiding or nurturing the innovation mm-hmm. in order for it to succeed. Hiding. Are we going back to the under-the-radar concept introduced by your co-panelist, Dr. Stefan Bongard? Yes? Well, I thought yeah. I would at least uh, integrate it. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Do you, Wayne? Do you agree with the the uh, Grace Hopper quote I read? It's often easier to ask forgiveness than to ask permission. And is that what you have to do to innovate, in a, especially in a big company where order and routine are the order of the day? What are your What is your observation? Um, I, I I agree absolutely in certain circumstances. Um, some parts of the organization, Bonnie, are actually structured differently, help to isolate or insulate them from the uh, constant turn of, of business execution, and we normally refer to these as R&D departments. Um, there they have less requirement for asking forgiveness, um, but mm-hmm. if you are not in that department, most likely you will have to. Oh, interesting. So it has to do with where you fall on what we used to call the corporate ladder or what pocket of organization you fall in and who you know, whom you know, and how much permission you think you're going to get. Who's sticking up for you, mentoring and bosses who have your back and all that good stuff. A lot of colloquialisms in here, Wayne Morris. Thank you so much. Interesting quote. And I'm going to circle back to our opening speaker, Dr. Stefan's. Bongard, B-O-N-G-A-R-D. Say Stefan, Bonnie. Oh, Stefan. I'm just trying to be formal and honor you. I have, <laughs> yeah. I, we have such an education ethic in my family, Stefan, and I really appreciate uh, the doctor and the advanced degrees and all that, so I'm just honoring you. So I have a very Good. tough question for you. I know it's very yeah. hot. I know you're somewhere 80 kilometers away from Frankfurt in the center of wherever you are, and I have to know yeah. this. I'm dying to know this, Stefan. What are you drinking right now, or what do you plan to drink after the show? Give me your favorite beverage story please yeah you you uh, won't believe but i drink uh, chinese green tea really and is it hot or green. cold it's it's a hot day so are you drinking it iced no. or are you drinking it hot no it's 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 not no it's not cold and it's not hot it's like what uh, <laughs> i learned last year in china they love to drink uh, stuff uh, at, at a um, a mean temperature and you drink tea uh, with a yeah a, me- a medium tem- temperature. It's like the tea is as hot as the temperature temperatures outside. Okay, and, um, medium temperature. <laughs> we might yeah. This, go ahead. This, the the tea was a, a gift I received as a farewell gift, and this uh, green tea always reminds me of this uh, two weeks in in China, and uh, always uh, uh, reminds me that Chinese people love to drink uh, warm beer. <laughs> <laughs> you got them back for that. Okay. Uh, well, thank you very much. There's a little culture shock there. Daniel Burnett, yes, what are you This is really culture shock. <laughs> Daniel Burnett, what are you drinking today? Where are you calling from, Daniel? So, I'm I'm um from 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 Spire. It's it's near to Ludwigshafen, by the way. It's just kilometers away. And I 
Daniel, I, th- I think we're losing you. Your, your phone line is cutting out, and we're hearing you at about 10% of your normal voice. Daniel, are you still there? Yeah, you can now hear me better? We can, yes. Please go ahead. So what are you uh-huh. drinking? Start again. Okay. okay, it's a refreshing mix of green tea, ginger, lemon, and ice cubes in there. So I saw this yesterday on YouTube, and I thought, okay, I need to try this for the show today. <laughs> and it's a good mix. <laughs> All right, tell me again. What do you, What is it? Give me the recipe again. I want to look this up. What did you say it was? It's green tea with some pieces of ginger in there and pieces of lemon in there and then fill it up with ice cubes, and it's really refreshing. Does it have a name or uh, no? No, I don't think so. Maybe we invent something today. We don't know. We are. We are. If I can't find it online, I get drink recipes from my panelists all the time. If I can't find this online, I'm going to call it the, the brunette. Ah! Maybe we'll, maybe we'll call it the green brunette or the green brunette refresher. I like that. We just, we, I, listen, I'll ask for forgiveness later from Stefan. That's just the way it's going to be. Wayne Morris, go ahead, humor me. What are you drinking today, Wayne? Well, Bonnie, um, innovation really requires um, amb- ambidexterity. And as a result, uh, because I'm so parched sitting here in Waldorf, Germany, um, I'm going to go for a cold German lager um, as soon as I can. But a little later, I'm going to follow it up with a wonderful, rich Italian red called a Montepulciano from the Abruzzo region. Montepulciano. Can you spell that? Montepulciano. Montepulciano, Italian red. There we okay. go. Okay, <laughs> okay. We'll just go with that. So we've got a we've got a green uh, brunette drink, a green a green brunette, and when we've got an Italian red, <laughs> I won't even chime in. But I will tell you that I'm drinking water. They don't let me have any caffeine on radio show days because I'm talking to such lively people like the three of you, and we are off to a great start here. Those of you listening in, we are having fun, but we are serious about our topic today. It's your innovation projects are they better under or on the radar are you asking for permission or forgiveness are you innovating to the point of helping to save your company to survive and thrive we have a lot more coming from our three esteemed panelists dr stefan bongard daniel brunette and wayne morris i'm bonnie d graham and i'm going to do a quick shout out to our series sponsor it's michelle serrier s-e-r-i-e uh, if you can find the accent uh, goo on your keyboard, you can put it in there. And he's tweeting at hashtag SAP Radio at Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L underscore Serrier, S-E-R-I-E. So join him on Twitter and let's capture the words of wisdom of our esteemed panelists. We'll be right back after the break. We're going to deep dive into some of the research that was done by Dr. Stefan Bongard specifically for the show and find out in the 300 companies he recently interviewed who is flying above or under the radar are on their innovation projects and what does that mean to you in our global listening office audience so yes you are probably in the office listening so whatever this means to you we're going to take our break don't even think of touching that mouse that app that dial we'll be right back brad we're 
always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, and business networks and supply chains are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Innovating Innovation with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. listening to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. Here we are, and it's time for us to dive into our roundtable. We're going to kick off the conversation with Dr. Stefan Bongard, who honored us by doing a special survey about innovation projects. Are people flying under the radar or on the radar? Uh, whether or not Richard Branson owns that radar is an entirely different topic for an entirely different show. So, Stefan Bongard, I'm going to turn this over to you. Tell us a little bit about your concept, the pool of participants, how you got them into the survey, and why don't you give us yep. a quick overview of your results. Go ahead, Stefan. Okay, thank you. So, uh, I'm, I work for a university, and my job is to do education and research. And uh, I work in the field of electric mobility, and I made uh, some studies uh, in the field of electric mobility, and I have a tool for making online surveys. And this is very quick, and it's, it's a very good, a nice professional tool. And I have um, a stock of about 2,000 email addresses, which I use for my surveys. And I use this uh, data pool to uh, conduct a small, very small survey consisting of three questions or five questions, uh, concerning the subject of uh, under-the-radar projects. So, and I uh, collect over 400 answers, and this is a response quote of about 20%, which is very good, because my stock of email addresses is very good, and I say thank you for all who responded. So the main results of the survey is that, is, first of all, it reflects a German view, because I have uh, mainly German addresses, and the first main fact I want to point out is that, on average, 31% of all projects are running under the radar. And the result is that nearly every company has under the radar project. So some, uh, some people say they have about 40, 50, or nearly 70, uh, or 80% of uh, projects running under the radar. I, I didn't expect that. I think I thought it was lower. So the next point or the next question was, um, does under-the-radar projects make your company more successful? And 
Well, a clear answer was that nearly 40%, nearly 40% of all participants think or are convinced that projects under the radar make companies more successful. Hmm. So under the radar projects are clearly a competitive factor. The next question was about the future. And, uh, well, the result here was that nearly 30% of all participants are convinced that under-the-radar projects will increase in the future. Will increase. And, well, I had two more questions uh, concerning the, the, the size of the company, if it's a small company or it's a large company. Yeah. And the result here was that large companies benefit more from under-the-radar uh, under projects. They have more success. And another thing I want to point out, point out was the question concerning if the company is related to old economy or to new economy. Old economy means production companies producing goods or new economy, um, things like, like uh, Amazon or Uber. And, uh, well, there was uh, one result that uh, under the radar projects will grow more in the future in new economy companies. That means that the new economy companies use more under-the-radar projects to be successful. Maybe this is uh, one thing why Uber or these, these startup rockets are so successful, because they, they go under the radar. And I want to add, I have one response from, from a Tesla guy from Tesla Store mm -hmm. Germany, And he uh, answered and said, Hi, ah, Stefan, uh, we as Tesla, we, we, we could run under the radar for a few years, but this is over now. Hmm. So if, if you think uh, Tesla, well, no one, no one noticed Tesla, and right now everything going with electric mobility is connected with Tesla. Because they worked under the radar, and then they... We're on the radar screen, and this was uh, well, kind of a surprise for the established uh, car companies. Stefan, may I ask you a question? When your yeah. survey participants answered, did they tell you where in the organization they are and if these were the same people who were running the projects for innovation under the radar? Were these the doers nope. and movers and shakers? Who were, who were, the, who were the respondents? Well, the respondents were a few groups. Uh, uh, there were uh, one group, I would say, are professionals. They, they are people working in companies. And uh, another big group was is my uh, expert group of electric mobility, car experts. And another group uh, are my of, of former students. They uh, studied at the University of Applied Science Ludwigshafen, And this is in some 2,000 uh, people. But I cannot say if they're working in the R&D department or if they work mm -hmm. in logistics. I didn't ask for that. Because Interesting. Because it was only a quick, a quick survey. 
I, I appreciate that. And thank you so much for doing the survey. Good information. I'm wondering if this has implications, Stefan. And we're going to bring Daniel and Wayne into this in just a second. I wonder if this has implications for the types of people you need to hire, the people who have the nerve. Uh, the expression my people use is the chutzpah. And there's a, a, a literal uh, physical description I'm not going to use of that, the chutzpah, to say, I'm going to do this anyway. I won't ask for permission because I know it'll be good for the company. I know it'll be good for our innovation drive to survive. So I wonder if that implication trickles down to let's hire these bold, brash people who will come in and do it anyway. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Thank you, Stefan, for the survey and thank you for the articulation of your results. Let's bring Daniel Burnett into this. Daniel, thoughts on the survey, the concept, the people he interviewed, and what the results mean for companies around the world. Daniel? Yeah, um, I think especially the, the, what was very interesting is that the new economy companies, that their the projects will increase under the radar. I think this, this kind of com is getting mature over the time, and they're also getting bigger, and, and their whole organization is getting more complex. Like also Wayne said, they are trained to execute. And if you go bigger, then you sometimes really have the issue that you're not able to move fast enough. And then this kind of project emerging because there are still the old people maybe in the company who know how it was before. And then they start to do this and want to bring it forward. And I think this, this was very interesting out of, of, of the survey. And also that nearly each company have this kind of under radar projects. I think this was something I was expecting um, because... Otherwise, a lot of companies wouldn't exist anymore. This is definitely my opinion to that. Thank you very much. Wayne Morris, thoughts on this? Well, I found that the, um, the research by uh, Stefan very interesting, um, especially the comment that um, an organization like Tesla would now start to reduce under-the-radar projects, if I understood correctly. And I wonder if it ends up having more of a correlation to um, the the fact that organizations grow, and as they grow, they become more complex, and the, the complexity actually is what ends up restricting the, uh, one's ability to to work on uh, above the board um, uh, innovation projects. But I'm not sure. In, interesting comment, Wayne. And if you think about the drive today for simplicity, simplification, let's get rid of all of what we, I was a, I'm a programmer way back in the old days. Get rid of all the spaghetti code. Let's get down to the guts, the core of what we're trying to do. And let's get there in a much simpler way. So it seems to be a paradox we're talking about, Wayne, right? Where bigger companies, more structure, we got to do it a certain way versus, gee, there's a much more elegant solution. I think you've heard that term. If we just fly under the radar, we can prove our point. Any thoughts on that, Wayne, that paradox of doing it the same old way versus, hey, let's do it simpler, but we'll do it under the radar. What do you think? I believe that uh, that that's uh, very true today, uh, Bonnie. You you um, hear of people that say, well, the, the moment I share my good idea with my boss, uh, the idea is over. Um, <laughs> it's back to work and, and focus. Um, at the same time, there is a movement in organizations today to recognize and um, empower entrepreneurs. So that's mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, um, but inside the company. Um, so my, my belief is, is that we're beginning to see a change. It's not over, but it's starting. Thank you very much. Yes, yeah, Stefan, Stefan, go ahead. I want to yeah, add please. A, a point with the, with the entrepreneur style. 
um, I had a, a comment from a friend of mine, and he said, uh, well, today one can start ideas without a big budget because uh, a low budget is enough to, to buy or to use tools. You have tools which no cost to organize projects uh, or software, and you don't need to ask for the big budgets. And I think this is a, yep. a point where many people say, okay, let's do it without money or with low money, and we don't have to, have to ask for money. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Good point, Stefan. And that leads me into some of the notes. Daniel Burnett, I'm looking at your speaking points, your statements you sent me before the show. And I see here that you had in your notes, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. Thank you. That must have be where it caught my attention. And I went and looked it up and found the Grace Hopper quote. So thank you, Daniel. Daniel, I want to cover a couple of areas we've touched on a little bit. Uh, number one, here's a just trailing on the thoughts that Stefan shared with us from his survey. You say, by running such a project under the radar, you will not be everyone's darling. What a powerful word, darling. And then the question is, who dar- whose darling do you need to be? I think I asked that question. Why don't we just finish that thought on the risk to you and your career if you run under the radar? Daniel, you want to share with us, and then we're going to go somewhere else. Talk to me. Yeah, no, no, it's, 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 it's exactly like that. So if you do these uh, projects under the radar and I, at each point, at one point, you will come to a person that, that doesn't like what you do and the way you work, and maybe it's a high manager. He really then maybe hates you because you maybe start to dis- disrupt his area he's working in, and, but you just want to focus on doing it, just get it done, right? And so you really need uh, to uh, be, be comfortable to sometimes, um, how can I say, if you are the one... He will hate you definitely. So, uh, out of old experience, sometimes there were people in in kind of project who said, "Oh, there is this guy again coming, this crazy guy who just do this, and and I don't know what what they really do, and hopefully he's he's going away soon, right?" <laughs> yes. yes. You know, we, we used to talk about, I used to do a show called In the Cloud with Game Changers, and we did an episode once, this was about three years ago, on rogue IT. The people in IT who, who they just closed the door to the vault and they said, ooh, let's cook up all this new code, let's find a new way to do something, and they were running outside the mainstream. And I wonder how many people consider them their darlings of innovation versus, as you just said, Daniel, when will he go away? So, yes, yes, yes. Yes, uh, that's for the permission and the forgiveness altogether. Daniel, I want to thank you for that. I want to uh, go on. I talked in my opening about there's a new model for innovation where it can be fast, it can be cheap, it can be lean. And other than under the radar, I, I think there are some ways we can talk about that. You say get it done, keep it simple and stupid. Don't over-engineer the project. Normally it works like that. Talk to me. What's the new model today, Daniel? Share with us, and then we'll have Wayne and Stefan chime in, please. Yeah, I mean, um, Stefan already mentioned a little bit. So like the, the one friend of him said, so today the, 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 the costs of, of building something up are not that high anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, it, it's, and the goal should be in a very early stage to look if there is a desirability, is there a demand for the idea I have, maybe even without building the product in the first step. It's really more about, okay, I have this idea. Let's look if there is someone who wants to buy it, who wants to work with me on that and, and 
maybe even spend already some money with it, and then I, I move on. And I think this kind of the lean startup approach uh, we saw a lot in, in, in years ago. I mean, Sappos uh, um, is now one of the biggest e-commerce companies, and they started the same way by in a, building up a simple, minimal viable product, tested in the market, is there demand? And then there was a the demand, and then they spilled they start to building on this and getting bigger step by step by build, measure, learn circles. They build something. They look what happened, learn from that, and then build it up on that. Instead of going ahead, going into a little room, building something up, something which is maybe over-engineered because you think, oh, yeah, maybe we need this feature. Oh, yeah, this would be cool. And then come out, and it's completely over-engineered. No one wants it. Thank you very much. Wayne Morris, thoughts about this, getting away from over-engineering, and, and how do you build that mindset into people who've been in a company a long time who are used to complexity and used to process and used to following the rules and reading every step in the handbook? What do you think, Wayne? Well, Bonnie, um, I believe that um, in today's uh, society, um, innovation equals uncertainty and innovation equals risk. And the ability of um, individuals to innovate um, under the radar using minimal um, investment, oftentimes doing it after hours on the weekends in their basement, um, is is all part of what makes um, entrepreneurs tick. And organizations absolutely need this. So my my belief is that um, Daniel's absolutely accurate. It's rapid, it's, um, it's very creative, but it has to be outside those boundaries um, that are restricting, um, and that's typically the typical um, organizational uh, achievement towards um, uh, quarterly goals. Okay. And you, now, you keep talking about quarterly goals. That tells me you've got the, uh, I won't say the eye shade mentality, but the by the book. Is this still what's happening in the biggest companies, Wayne? Is this thwarting innovation, this quarterly goals? Is this what everybody, you have to be a darling to somebody, and, and in order to be that darling, you have to say, yes, I respect the quarterly goals. What do you think? Well, if you look at um, innovation as um, part of the organization, it it typically has funding cycles and, and um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> pardon me, has, has to continually defend its ability to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on the business economics, um, you could have a, a great year and an innovation will thrive, or you could have a lousy year and innovation will, um, will not thrive. Um, but I think that the, the point of, um, of Daniel and, and Stefan is that people still feel the need to innovate regardless of the restrictions that are put on them. Um, so it, it is that, uh, that human desire uh, to keep solving problems that's the essence of what makes businesses successful. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering well, I, if there's yeah, a... Is... Yep, please, go ahead, yeah, Stefan. Stefan. I, w- I want to, to, to add a point because yes. I think we all agree that, that we, we are have a positive attitude towards uh, the radar project and we like it and we want to foster it. But uh, one thing I want to bring into the discussion is about to continue and to finish uh, under the radar mm-hmm. project. Because yes, go ahead. This is a thing what I face. So I am able to start project whatever I want, but I cannot work to the finish line with, uh, with myself. I have to ask 
maybe the president or the vice president. I have to ask for budget or for for legal things. So, and I make I made a I made a head count of my latest project, and I started this project with two persons, my my project partner and me, two persons. And last week I counted all people all, all people uh, are involved in this project, and I stopped after fifteen. Hmm. So, so many people involved, and this means the brakes are being pressed and. Well, it's it's slowed. The project slows down. I I brought it over the finish line, but um, well, maybe Daniel and Wayne has has some ideas how you can uh, bring under the radar projects to to the finish line. Great Without point. Risking, uh, uh, your job. Great point, and the darling <laughs> effect comes back yeah. into here. Daniel Burnett, you want to address that? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. So I mean, at 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 one point, um, if this concept is successful, you need to ask yourself as a company, can I bring this to the overall organization itself? Does it fit or do I need to create maybe an own company or do a spin-off and grow the company on, on, on their own? And I think this is a really, really, really big decision you need to do at one stage when you do this under the radar project. Is this project able to survive within the organization? Will people accept or do we need to do a spin-off that it can scale in this way? And this is really a fundamental uh, decision you need to do. And because the biggest challenge you have, if this goes to, a, to the normal organization, the normal project organization afterwards, and, and then no one supporting it anymore, it, it, it will die. Because maybe there is the, the, the people then who, never, who always hated the project and now have the possibility to kill it, even if it's maybe good. And then they're going to say over their shoulder, I told you so, right? I told you so. (laughs) There you go. I knew that. I I knew it wasn't going to fly. Why did we waste all that? Blah, blah, blah. Wayne Morris, thoughts on this? Good conversation. Let's keep it going. Yes, Bonnie, as an innovation manager, um, I'm responsible for actually um, ideating into specific problem areas in the business. Um, and this oftentimes gives me the ability to offer up uh, to individuals who have ideas in the in the right area the opportunity to um, access some time or some funding in order to take them further. And then it's my responsibility to champion that idea if I believe it's good enough, um, and to to you know cor- fight the corporate fight, so to speak. Um, <clears throat> so there. There are ways that organizations can um, support the um, the under the radar type innovation mm-hmm. um, using uh, uh, methods and organizations that we already have, but just tweaking them a bit. Okay, Wayne, that's a perfect segue into where I want to go in the conversation. I'm looking at your notes, and so many good points in here. I want to make sure we we get to the guts of this, where we need to go in the conversation. You say, harnessing the power of employee creativity and innovation can be beneficial in maintaining employee engagement, but, but if not done well, will do more harm than good. So what's the upside? Let's talk about it from the organizational perspective, Wayne, uh, fostering uh, pockets of innovation, organizational tolerance for failure. I'm obviously cherry-picking off of your notes here, but I think it all comes together. So what do you think? Harnessing employee creativity. I talked in the beginning about bringing the right employees into the organization from the hiring standpoint so you know you'll get that creativity and that risk, not risk-averse, 
risk-averse but risk-prone in a, in a smart way. So talk to me. What do you see from your perspective? Because you certainly know what this is all about, Wayne Morris. Well, from my perspective, the the ability of organizations to engage employees is fundamental to their success. Based on that, you can use innovation topics as a way to um, reach out to the employees to get them engaged, to have them take that risk of uh, offering up a an idea, good, bad, otherwise. Um, but that's where it all starts, with the idea. And from there, um, because they've taken that risk, the organization has the ability to mature that idea, take it further, combine it with others, and potentially create something which is really valuable. But if you don't support this correctly, it could end up like the old traditional um, a suggestion box, where you drop an idea into a suggestion box, it becomes a black hole, and it's never heard from again. So you really need to have that um, transparency with what's happening with the suggestions and the ideas, um, and you also need um, executive sponsorship for these areas, along with a committed budget um, and the ability to do something with the idea when it's done. So it's these kinds of um, uh, fundamental um, foundational principles that one has to embrace in order to support that um, um, that ideation and, and that employee engagement that I believe also supports the under-the-radar kind of um, innovation. Wayne, thank you for that. Is this something you tell employees when they come in for the interview or potential employees? Hey, we're looking for your creativity. We're looking for your risk-taking ability. We're looking for you to break out of the box, out of the mold, fly under the radar. But be careful. Be careful when you do it. How do you convey that at the point of bringing new people in? And, and Wayne, let's also talk a little bit about startups. They have a much higher organizational tolerance for failure than established companies. Can you address those, and then we'll bring Stefan and, and Daniel into this, please? Certainly. Well, I can only speak for myself, Bonnie. I can't speak for the rest of the organization as you bring mm-hmm. new employees on. Um, of course. Uh, but what I look for is uh, people who are uh, risk takers, people who are thought leaders, people who are willing to work in groups um, and share, um, and uh, not be um, overly dominant, but but definitely willing to um, say no or um, object to to something. Um, I, th- I think that this is this is key in terms of the kinds of individuals that you want to bring in. Um, when, you, when you talk about startups, um, mm-hmm. startups typically end up um, with an idea. The idea is not necessarily the right idea, but it's an idea. And as they go through the process of trying to figure out how this fits with market demand and so on, as Daniel said, they end up um, often um, failing, either incrementally or um, mm-hmm. c- catastrophically, um, the incremental is generates more of a pivot on the idea then um, to to make it a better fit to what the consumer or the market is really looking for. 
larger organizations really have a, a risk-averse um, stance. And as a result, they, they are constantly out-innovated by startups. Um, mm. and you, know that, you know that there's many of them out there. Um, and in part, it's because you get people with a passion and a drive to actually take their idea and work it and aren't afraid to hear no, and they keep active and pivot, um, and they build themselves a team that they can rely on. So I, I also believe that teamwork is a really critical factor in uh, innovation. Very good points. Thank you. I want to bring, uh, let's see, we're running out on time here very quickly. Stefan Bongard, just want you to give a one, yeah. a couple of sentences, comment on Wayne and then Daniel, and then we're going to move yeah. very quickly into our predictions yeah. round. Stefan, go ahead. Yeah. I just want to say one thing to, to, the, uh, to the subject of new employees. On my last golf round, I talked to my friend Dieter, and he runs a small company, a very successful company, and we talked about Under the Radar Project, and he told me that, that he, the young people... They ask for under-the-radar projects. They're used to, to new technology, the, the Facebook uh, generation and the Skype generation. They ask for doing something without permission, and he needs uh, these people to, to be better than, than the competitors. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, you, and you Daniel Burnett, I, I want to get Daniel's comments yeah. before we have to, yeah. we have to yeah. run into our predictions. Go ahead, Daniel. Yo. Oh, yeah. So, so I think what, what um, Wayne also said when he said, okay, the, the, the startups are a small team of maybe five people. They can rely on each other, and they have the goal to do it, right? And I think this is also something, and also as Stefan said, you can build this kind of team in your own company, a little team of five, and say, okay, guys, your goal is in three months to look if there's something in there for us or not. Here's a basic amount of budget. Let's try what we can get so far, and then we decide to go ahead. And I think this is the way forward. Thank you very much. Good conversation. I think we basically touched the basics, but a lot more. That's a clue to Michel Serrier, who is tweeting his tootsies off here at hashtag SAP Radio. And, Michelle, I know you're listening, and I'm trying to keep up with you, but I'm also hosting and moderating and looking things up and reading notes here. So uh, I'm, Michelle wins the, wins the contest on tweeting today, and I appreciate that. It's time for us to slide into home plate. I'm sure baseball is a universal concept here. So Dr. Stefan Bongard, uh, again, I'll tell you thank you from the bottom of my heart when we finish the show but now it's time for us to go into our predictions crystal ball round i know you have a fancy schmancy innovative crystal ball there where you are in germany and i know you polished it off for the show so i'm going to ask you why don't i just give you let's say 60 seconds each and then we might have a time a minute left for a a bonus round or a quick lightning round question stefan bongard i love the year 2020 because it's five years away and it sounds good but you may have a different time if we fast forward the concept of innovating under the radar, on the radar, disrupt or be disruptive, the whole innovation ball here. What do you see coming down the pike that will be different in at some point in the future? 60 seconds, prediction, Stefan, go. Yeah, so I prepared three predictions, and the first mm-hmm. prediction is, is a question, and the question is, why does the update for my Tesla or any other battery electric vehicle don't work? Because we will run into a world where, where we make not only updates for our smartphones and computers, but for our cars in the, connected, in the uh, years of the connected mobility. 
Prediction number two is related to our university. Should students leave their gadgets at home and concentrate on lectures and books as a re-innovation? Mm. Because I learned the, those students bring every gadget they can buy, but, well, maybe they should think over their, their technical strategy and go back to books. And the last prediction is that we talk in 2020 about the smart home. The smart home is reality. Does it pay? Does it pay to open windows 200 kilometers away from home or control the heater when I'm uh, on holiday? And, uh, well, I don't believe too much that it will pay. <laughs> it should be a big thing in 2020, the smart home. Thank you very much. Appreciate your words of wisdom, Stefan. Let's turn to Daniel Burnett. <laughs> Daniel, I can give you 60 seconds. What are your predictions? Daniel, oh. go ahead. So my prediction are definitely that in the future, especially in big companies, there will be a, a kind of manager, which maybe even in the managing board, who's called the chief entrepreneur officer or maybe the chief innovation officer, who's responsible to, to, to work much more in this kind of startup-based approach with small teams, quick development to look if there's something happening there, if there's something in there. And, and I think this kind of work will increase um, over the time in, in several companies. And we can all see, already see this kind of trend uh, going forward, even at the old companies like Mercedes-Benz or um, also at, at, at Audi or VW. They already start this kind of journey by working like startups. But I think at one stage, it will be part of the organization where one is responsible to move that forward and bring this kind to the next level to always be stay ahead of the competition. Thank you. Very eloquent. And Wayne Morris, bringing up the rear here. Go ahead, Wayne. What are your predictions and how far in the future can you project? I believe in five years we will actually have organizations which have transformed themselves into um, self-innovating organizations, leveraging their employees um, organizing themselves in smaller, more flexible teams, um, and really focusing on business innovation and making sure that they can sense and anticipate what that customer is going to need before they actually need it. So it will be um, quite the revolution if my prediction comes true. I like that. I like revolutions and evolutions. Thank you to my, we don't have time for a, a lightning round. I think we just did it. We lit up the sky with these brilliant predictions. Professor Dr. Stefan Bongard, such a pleasure to meet you. Thank you again for Thank the you. survey and such interesting results. I hope you'll come back on another show in the future uh, and all good wishes just, to you. And, yep. Just, just to uh, one, you can download the survey. Ah, it's in the Dropbox account. Okay, send me the information and I'll put it out there. Daniel Burnett, thank yep. you so much for joining us today, and Wayne Morris as well, both of you from SAP. Shout out to Michelle Serrier, who sponsors this series, this Game Changer series, and Ozzy Olmez. I never know how to pronounce the name, but Ozzy has been so helpful in getting this wonderful panel together and putting up with my request for more and more information. So thank you so much. And a shout out to Brad Comer and the Business Channel team at World Talk Radio for getting us on 
on the air and putting us on the air. Daniel, your phone line got better and better as we went on with the show, so I we really appreciated that. I have a call to action for everyone, and you know what it is. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? But don't fasten it so tightly that you forget how to innovate in the rest of your life. Go out and be a game changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. I'll talk to you next week when we have five brand new shows coming up on Game Changers Radio presented by SAP. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.